Venture into one of the fastest growing businesses on earth right now on Cannabis Economy. Converging with the brightest and best cannabis leaders and luminaries, paving the way to progress your profit margin. Capitalize and compound your cannabis portfolio now on Cannabis Economy with your host, Seth Adler. Digital Cannabis. Welcome to Session 1 of Cannabis Economy on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Seth Adler. We first talked to Isaac Dietrich about how he's set up his infrastructure to be able to handle this next phase of rapid growth of Mass Roots, the Cannabis Social Network. Later, we talked to Keith McCarty about what he's doing with Ease, the currently California-based digitally offered cannabis delivery service. Uh, We also discussed the sale of his first company, Yammer, to Microsoft for $1.2 billion. Check us out on uh, Twitter at CanEconomy. That's two N's in the word economy. And enjoy the show. All right, so we've got Isaac Dietrich from Massroots, the Isaac Dietrich. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Thanks for having me. I know uh, that you're busy, so um, you know we'll, we'll kind of take a few minutes to make sure that we get your story and, and hear about the uh, the platform. But I mean, the first thing that's that's uh, obvious to anybody who sees your face is you're you're not an old person. <laughs> nope, uh, I was 21 years old when uh, I was smoking with my best friend in his college apartment, and we thought that of all of our friends who smoked, almost none of them posted about it on Facebook or Instagram because their bosses grandmothers, family workers are connected to them on those networks. So we wanted to create an environment where people actually felt comfortable talking about cannabis. All right. So 21, what school was that? Uh, it was ODU. So I wasn't in college. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I decided that rather than taking out you know $50,000 in student loans to go to college, that uh, I would max out $20,000 in credit cards to start Mass Roots. <laughs> so I had to tell my parents that, oh, by the way, I'm not going to college, um, and I'm getting involved in the marijuana industry, and since no VC will fund me, I'm going to max out 20000 in credit cards. And they nearly shot me, but it, uh, you know, it's working out so far. <laughs> so far, so good. Exactly. Where are you from originally? Virginia Beach. Okay. All right. So that's that's a nice part of the country. Uh, not uh, necessarily one with uh, any sort of adult use program. No. Very conservative, uh, very Republican, probably going to be the last 10 states to legalize. So uh, for you to have uh, this thought there, um, you know, was, was one thing. I know that you're in Colorado now. When did you make that switch? February 2014. So I packed up everything that I had in the back of my car. We had raised $150,000 uh, in C capital, but we had burned through all of that, scaling the network to 100,000 users. So we were, uh, we were pretty much out of money. And I decided I needed to be in the middle of the action. So we packed up everything that I had in my car. It was a Honda CRV at the time and uh, drove across the country. So, All right. So a couple things to, to unpack to make sure that we've got everything. As far as uh, the platform itself, you, you mentioned 2014. When did you actually start it, though? Uh, so we launched in the App Store in July of two. 
2013, um, we came to ArcView for the first time when we had 6,500 users. Um, and we met Doug Layton, who was our uh, lead investor, and he ended up writing us a $50,000 check the next week, um, which we were incredibly grateful for and allowed us to really start scaling the network. Um, and then we reached 100,000 users by spring of 2014. That's when we re relocated to Colorado and really started to get serious. Um, we, uh, we filed our S1. Um, we were one of the first cannabis companies to go public uh, through an S1 registration statement as opposed to a reverse merger or any of the uh, sketchy shell companies. Um, and then, uh, you know, we've been growing like crazy ever since. Uh, we recently crossed 625,000 users. And, and congratulations on that. Doug actually has been on the podcast and spoke about that meeting <laughs> at, at the ArcView event. How did you even know to, to get to that ArcView event? How did you find that path? So I was a finalist for Peter Thiel's 20 Under 20 competition back in 2012, um, and I, I met a lot of great people there. And in mid-2013, uh, we went out to the Thiel Foundation Summit in San Francisco, and uh, at the time, uh, you know, none of uh, – None of uh, Peter Thiel's funds were investing in cannabis, but they were like, you should go talk to Troy Dayton from the ArcView group. Mm -hmm. And ArcView at the time was, I think, only 40, 50 members strong. Uh, it, it wasn't nearly what it was today. Um, so they invited us out to the September ArcView meeting. And uh, I went out there. I pitched. We had about 6,500 users, and I actually got the lowest rated pitch of the uh, of the entire uh, of the entire session. So people <laughs> afterwards were like, "You're never going to make money. You're competing with Facebook. This will never work." And uh, I didn't end up talking to Doug after I pitched. But then the next day, I got an email from Douglas Layton at Dutch's Capital that he wanted to set up a call the next week. So I was like, "Oh, well, that's a." Good sign. So I hopped on the call and he was like, I want to come in for $50,000. I was like, okay. Uh, we can yeah. do that. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we, we uh, you know, it, it, we're incredibly grateful for all of our great investors and, you know, giving us the ability to, to get to where we are now. Indeed. And it, it sounds uh, kind of, um, it almost doesn't make sense that uh, folks in the audience w would not see the play. In other words, you very uh, clearly stated that you, uh, you know, put the platform together instead of Facebook, not in competition with uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that there would be that confusion. Yeah, um, it's very interesting. And, and, you know, honestly, we've gone through a lot of scaling problems over the past two years. Um, you know, when we first started the app, we didn't think that we would really get more than, you know, 50,000 users. And then once we hit 100,000 users, everything started breaking. So then we started uh, reorganizing everything and, and that got us to like 300,000 users and then things started breaking breaking again. So, um, you know, we, uh, we spent uh, March and April really recruiting the best technical talent that we could find. So Yahoo, Photobucket, uh, Tendril all have offices in Denver. So um, we went around and uh, we found the, the best developers that we could possibly find and, and said, you know, what interesting things are you working on at Yahoo? And it's really nothing. So we're like, well, why don't you come help, you know, shape the development of an entire new industry? And oh, by the way, you get stock options at uh, at a relatively low uh, low valuation. So they uh, so we were able to recruit the, the best technical talent in Denver. Um, and they've since been spending the past few months completely re-architecting our app and getting it ready to really break into the mainstream in 2016. 
So. so so you're at 625 now and you know this restructure what will that bring you to uh, we're hopeful that it will allow us to scale to 5 million users without any significant uh, load time issues, any significant uh, you know, technical issues. Um, we view 2016 as kind of the, the our opportunity to break into the mainstream. So we've kind of captured the hardcore stoner market that is you know, gung-ho about cannabis and consumes cannabis on a daily basis. But uh, you know, now it's really time to start appealing to the more casual consumer because that is where the you know billion dollar brands are really going to start to emerge. So um, we've we've really spent the past few months putting all of the foundation in place, um, so that way when we go into 2016, we're hoping to scale to you know a million users and then beyond that and uh, really become a mainstream cannabis brand. All right. So the three final questions, I'm going to give them to you in order, okay. and then I'll ask you them. The first one is what has most surprised you in cannabis. Okay. The second is what has most surprised you in life, in your in your young life. Uh, and then the third one is on the soundtrack of Isaac Dietrich's life, name one song, name one track. So first things first, what has most surprised you in cannabis? The speed at which all of this is taking place. So when we first started, it was Colorado and, and Washington. And since then, you know, we've added two states to Washington and Washington, D.C., and 2016 is going to be just a, a absolutely huge year. So yeah. it's just a speed, and and no one saw Canada coming. I, or you know, back in 2013, no one would have would have possibly predicted was was gone down. Well, first off, as far as Canada is concerned, we talked to uh, Jamie Shaw from the CAMCD uh, the day after the election because no one thought that that was going to happen <laughs> the day before. Not you know what I mean. <laughs> Like not even a couple of months ago, like the day before, no one thought that was happening. So uh, we've got I a think, friend up there. Definitely. I think that's kind of the model. That's what's going to happen in the U.S. And everyone's like, well, it's a couple of years away. It's a couple of years away. And people will keep saying it's a couple of years away up until literally the day before it happens. Yeah. Indeed. And just to kind of throw this in there, uh, the Supreme Court in Mexico also kind of making waves as far as legal cannabis, right? Oh, yeah. And, and that will be huge because that can help in the international drug war. Uh, one of many things, right? So, okay. So, uh, as far as uh, your young life is concerned, what what has most surprised you so far? Well, it's it's a it's a learning experience. So, I've learned more in the past three months of of you know dealing with public companies than I have ever learned the my previous you know twenty three years combined. Um, you don't learn things in school anymore. Uh, you learn things by going out and actually doing them and executing. So, uh, yeah. Well, now as a, a Peter Thiel guy, you're starting to sound maybe a little Peter Thiel. Can, can you give us a little insight on him and what he's like uh, from, from your interaction with him? Uh, I met him briefly back in 2012, um, and, you know, he's uh, very friendly, and, uh, you know, he's, he's really out to share his wisdom and advice with as many people as possible. Uh, I encourage people to read his book, Zero to One. That's kind of like how to build a billion-dollar business. That's his, uh, that's his whole, uh, you know, focus now. Right. Three commas. Right. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is either the easiest question to answer or the hardest. As far as your soundtrack, name one track. Life's been good by the Eagles. Oh come on now! And, and let me just correct you really quickly. Joe Walsh. It's Joe Wall specifically, yeah, yeah. exactly, uh, and that's why we're fans. So uh, fantastic, <laughs> Isaac Dietrich. Thanks so much. You're doing huge things, uh, and we expect to talk to you when you uh, pass the 10 million mark. How about that? Works for me. Thank you for having me. You got it. Time to converge listeners to our product and service supplying sponsors. 
Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Commercial consumption completed. Now back to Cannabis Economy, only on CannabisRadio.com. Here's Seth Adler. Here we are with Keith McCarty. I mean, this is Ease HQ, yeah? That's correct. We're here in San Francisco at Ease HQ. So I just uh, came over to the Bay Bridge. Uh, that's quite something. And you're right at the lip of the Bay Bridge, really. Why not just go to Oakland? Yeah, I mean, we're right in the heart of the city. I think that, um, you know, when I moved my last company up from L.A. to San Francisco, we learned pretty pretty quickly that um, the best engineering talent uh, lives within San Francisco for the most part. And if you want to to recruit the best engineering talent, you need to be where they live. So there's uh, some history I've heard to the city of San Francisco. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's um, you know we're in the heart of uh, Silicon Valley, right? And so when we initially moved up, the last company I started, you know, about twelve percent or fifteen percent of the startups were in San Francisco. The rest were kind of in, let's say, the peninsula or like. You know, where the rest of the VCs were like Palo Alto. And uh, fast forward, um, you know, five, six years, and uh, now about 90 plus percent of the startups are in SF. And um, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, certainly that's, that's part of the history. I think there's a lot more history that you're probably referring to, but. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but uh, this isn't about uh, the Grateful Dead uh, or Janis Joplin, um, you know, uh, or the Burt. No, that's. Let, Let's not make it about that. It's about you, Keith. And um, that company that you referenced, let's just set the stage. Uh, what was that? What did it do and what happened? Yeah, so the last company I uh, helped start was a company called Yammer. And um, it was kind of like Facebook for inside of your company. We started the company in um, September 2008. Uh, three and a half years later, we grew the company to about 800 people and, and sold to Microsoft for $1.2 So. That was certainly exciting, and I think I think it really set the foundation in my experience around, you know, how to grow technology companies now. Right. Fast forward to Ease, I think that 
um, taking that experience is, um, is, you know, pretty powerful. Absolutely. You learned how to grow the company from Yammer to Microsoft and then back to Ease. What about you? Are, are you from SoCal or where are you from? Yeah. So I grew up in Southern California, uh, Orange County uh, specifically. Um, you know, grew up, went to college at Chapman University, which is based in Orange, uh, Orange County. And, um, you know, out of college, joined a company called Genie, uh, which is based in LA, led by David Sachs, part of PayPal Mafia. If you know the uh, PayPal Mafia history, it's like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, a lot of names that most people know. Um, and, um, you know, joined that company, uh, was very passionate about technology ever since, you know, graduating college and even through, you know, my childhood. And, um, you know, we actually spun Yammer out of Genie and, uh, and launched that. And then about a year after we launched it, moved it up to San Francisco because with any high growth company, if you're not in Silicon Valley's backyard, um, it's much harder to, to kind of achieve your goals, let's say. Yeah, for, forget it, so to speak. Um, where does that technology kind of um, mindset come from? How far back can you remember you really desiring to kind of get your hands dirty with tech? Yeah. I mean, look, it really comes down to um, the mindset of like, how do you get to scalability and efficiency, right? Oh, no, I mean, personally, I mean, like when you were a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I can remember back to when I was, you know, seven years old and my friends were, had a bunch of uh, lizards and uh, I was like, well, you guys are buying crickets from the pet store. How do I get you guys crickets or create a business model around that? And it's like, well, I can't, you know, develop enough crickets by myself. So like, how do I use some spreadsheet to be able to organize other people to, to be able to like, you know, uh, catch these crickets and create a business model? I mean, I think that, you know, then it, it was part of like, you know, just racing, right? So motorcycle racing, I think there's a lot of electronics or graphs or things like that that you, they utilize in terms of uh, developing the, the product itself. And then, you know, kind of fast forward into kind of high school and college, of course, you know, as a millennial, we're kind of built around and, and kind of influenced by the technology that was, um, that was brought to us, right? So I, I think that uh, society has noticed, <laughs> to say the least, right? Yeah. Um, so the, this racing, how how long did you do? Do you still do it? Yeah. So you know, I was I was kind of um, I grew up around racing. My dad um, actually was just introduced to the um, uh, the hall, kind of the Hall of Fame, I guess, if you will, for MA. And um, so ever since I can remember, I was kind of um, around racing and around uh, top performing athletes at the professional level. So. Uh, I'm not sure if I had a choice or not. <laughs> and MA motocross or what? Yeah. So he runs all the racing for Yamaha, um, you know, street bike racing, dirt bike racing, uh, both kind of supercross and motocross, drag racing. I mean, everything in the U.S. basically he runs. And, and uh, yeah, I, I um, you know, I started doing it myself. And I think that that's part of me is I'm super competitive. I don't like to lose. And uh, I think that I've certainly brought that into the business sense that um, there is no option except for winning. Okay. So uh, first or last, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, there's the competitiveness. Uh, there right there is, is the drive. There's the, um, we talked about kind of the, the technology uh, piece as well. And the fact that um, you're, you're not going to not win to use a double negative. Mm -hmm. Get into, you know, uh, why you have to change the world every time you do something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, you, you know, for me personally, I think it's about the passion of influencing, um, you know, people and making lives better, right? So whether it's around productivity or um, just quality of life, 
Um, you know, they're one and the same things. So I want to have an impact. I want to have a legacy. Uh, those are personal goals of mine. And I think that um, exits or wins or things like that are just really kind of uh, notches on the belt to, um, to kind of give you a, a pat on the back, I guess, in terms of uh, doing things in the right direction, right? When people walk, you know, stop me on the side of the street because I'm wearing the East t-shirt and, and can't wait to tell me how much they love the service or how their, their mother or their uh, sibling is impacted by um, getting delivery brought to their, to their doorstep in about 15 minutes, that's, uh, that's gratifying. So you, you, when you talk about the service, you know, if, if someone sees it as delivering cannabis, sure, uh, that's an end, uh, but that's not how you talk about it. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think that we've, uh, certainly developed the technology in a way that allows us to move in a lot of different directions. I think that what we're developing in terms of technology, which is, um, verifying eligibility to be able to receive medicine, surfacing a menu of medicine that you're, um, able to receive or you're eligible for. And then figuring out with a click of a button how to get that to you in about 10 to 15 minutes. Those three key areas of what we're building can be applicable across all of healthcare. So not just cannabis. Oh, I see. This is, this is not last. There, there is a next. I, I can see what you're saying. But, but get into what you were thinking about at Microsoft with the concept of on-demand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, when I was at Microsoft, I knew that um, through and through or, or deep down in my heart, I was really an entrepreneur guy, um, wanted to create something that, that I could really control. And, and sometimes, you know, in a 90,000 person organization, that's, um, that's difficult, right? You're trying to move this big ship and steer it, and uh, it's just not moving as, as quickly as I want. So, um, so I started looking at kind of the next wave of technology, and really that's um, now very obvious, but in 2012, maybe it wasn't so much obvious. It's really on demand, right? The economy is moving towards this uh, movement of I want it, I want it now, and I want it with a click of a button via my any connected device. And um, Uber and Lyft are the, the best examples in the early days of um, kind of doing that within ride sharing. But what we started seeing was other kind of companies or products or services popping up within other categories within on demand. So food and drink, I want a, I want a meal with a click of a button, I get it delivered in 10 minutes, or home, right? I want my house cleaned, click of a button. But it was very clear that um, some of these were taking off uh, more so or not as much as, um, let's say, ride sharing. And so I started trying to understand kind of what are the dynamics of making on-demand consumer services successful or not. And um, when I defined those and started looking at every product and service, marijuana kept coming up. And that was the start of my path down this, down this road. Uh, then I looked at the regulatory environment. It was like, okay, well, the majority of Americans now favor legalization. Well, we know what happened with gay marriage, right? And uh, history repeats itself. And um, I think this is no different. And then the last piece was kind of the ethos, right? Is um, as a non-cannabis user myself, um, and I certainly would if I had uh, a reason to, I would use, get it with three E's. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I can find a way to get it, get you some, right? You know, it was really about, is this legit, right? Or are people really using this for the right reason? And I think that that's part of the stigma that, that exists today is people just don't know. But I think that anybody that does the research like I did, um, and by the way, my mom uh, called me out saying that was uh, this is initially just a, a glorified drug dealing service. And then, you know, once she went through the same process that I did, uh, she came to the same conclusions as well, which is this truly is medicinal. There truly are benefits. And here's all kind of the, the areas in which it helps people. And and um, I think that walking down the street with an East T-shirt, you can't be stopped um, or you will be stopped. And um, people will want to tell you about how it's benefiting them. And I think that conviction that people have about this is, is, uh, is true, right? It's uh, people are truly benefiting from it. And 
and the world needs to know how they can use use this product and through ease get it delivered in about 10 minutes amazing time to converge listeners to our product and service supplying sponsors Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Commercial consumption completed. Now back to Cannabis Economy, only on CannabisRadio.com. Here's Seth Adler. Okay, so Keith, let's start back with where we left off. It sounds like you're receiving these stories in a different way than any other technology that you've built in the past. This sounds a little bit closer to the heart. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that when you're impacting people's health, it's much different than when you're impacting productivity. Uh, one other thing that I want to mention is uh, we've developed something that's called EZMD. And with a click of a button, you can be connected in real time with a physician that's board certified. And over a HIPAA compliant video teleconferencing solution, you're able to have your evaluation with a physician and get your recommendation in real time. So it takes, you know, five, 10 minutes or however long. It takes for the physician to, to qualify you if you uh, if you qualify, and um, and yeah, I mean I think it's all about removing friction, right? It's about easy, quick, and professional. Whether it's getting your recommendation first and or uh, getting the delivery of the product to your doorstep. How big is that network of physicians? It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, so we launched it, uh, you know, a few months ago, and I think that, you know, for ease, it's um, not only for new patients kind of coming in. Um, or new people that are um, kind of, they don't want to, you know, it, it's kind of a, fric- there's a lot of friction in terms of going to an MMJ doctor. Like when you talk to, let's say the, the future of the market, you know, your stay at home soccer mom can't understand why she can't just go to her primary care physician to get a recommendation or um, what's the specific MMJ doctor going to ask me and is my data secure, Right. And so by removing that friction, you're, we're actually opening up kind of the market to people that can benefit from uh, medical marijuana, but may not have um, 
you know, they, there may be a reason or two as to why they, they wouldn't want to go to that clinic, right? That one that I just described. And by the way, they're typically in kind of less desirable locations, but if you can do it from your luxury of your house um, or anywhere, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefit there. So uh, I've got three final questions. Uh, what about the just the basic concept that you've reinvented the wheel? At the highest level, um, on-demand is not new. Um, although we're doing a lot of additional work uh, around, you know, really making this a point solution. For example, um, you know, we're developing something called the strain graph, right? And the strain graph is really about taking uh, what you like, coupled with the aggregate data that we have, and building a recommendation engine. In the same way that Let's say Netflix, when you go to Netflix, they say, well, because you watch this, you want this, right? And the only way to do this is through technology and data. And uh, we hope to and plan to uh, impact the industry and make a, you know, continue to make the most frictionless experience that we can. Uh, excellent. I'm looking forward to talking to you in a year from now when we know what happens with the uh, election. But three final questions. I'll tell you what they are and then I'll ask you. What is the... Uh, what has most surprised you in cannabis? What has most surprised you in life? And then on Keith's soundtrack to his life, what is at least one track, one song that must be there? Um, so what has most surprised you in cannabis? So the most surprising thing in cannabis, I would say, is um, is that, you know, when I talked to lawyers when we first started this company, I would ask when A, B, C, and D would happen. And fast forward, you know, they give me a time projection. Fast forward a few months later, I'd ask him the same questions, and that was uh, greatly accelerated, right? And I think that goes back to, you know, um, you know, sort of the um, the tipping point, right? The majority of Americans favor legalization. Not only does it move in that direction, but it's accelerated. We've hit the pen the pendulum has shifted, in other words. Um, so that's been the most surprising as to uh, how fast this this movement is happening, and I think that companies like Ease are helping to accelerate that movement. Uh, so SoCal kid, former racer. Uh, you know, uh, person that's sold companies for uh, at least $1 billion and change. What has most surprised you in life? Yeah, I mean, I think the most surprising thing in life is, um, you know, I guess people want to do the right thing, right? And um, I think that there's, you know, especially in, in work and whatnot, that there's truly just good people out there, no matter who you uh, kind of interact with. And I think that giving people always the benefit of the doubt has uh, been very surprising. I think this industry is no different because you use cannabis uh, doesn't mean that you're a stoner, right? Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, people truly, um, you know, want to do good. And I think that judging or, or people, you know, for, uh, for certain things that, that later come uh, to fruition is, um, can be um, discouraging if you were to treat them a certain way, right? Indeed. There's a lot of them. And, uh, not everybody's the same, certainly. Uh, speaking of not everybody being the same, everybody's given us a different answer to this question. On the soundtrack of your life, name one song. <laughs> um, shoot, that's tough. Um, let's say I Have a Tiger or I Mean It by g -E -Z. <laughs> we'll, we'll take both, Keith. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. And there's Digital Cannabis. Thank you so much to Isaac Dietrich, of Mass Roots. Thank you so much to Keith McCarty of Ease, two companies that are really making waves as far as uh, this industry is concerned, a little bit different than the others that are out there. Enjoyed uh, each 
conversation. Hope you did too. Enjoyed this first session on Cannabis Radio. Hope you did too. Check us out on Facebook at Can Economy. That's two N's in the word economy. 